away from this. But uh, I feel like, I mean, we've got to really, really start pushing for some effort to get some folks to church if we're going to see things take place. And I, I don't know. I believe this. I believe whether there's miracles inside this church, I believe there's miracles out there. Amen. Yet to come in. Yet to come in. And I believe that. I believe God wants to do some things. But we've got to get control of our flesh. Amen. Amen. Little, little things, little, little foxes spoil the vine. All day long has kind of been on my mind. The little things, little foxes spoil the vine. Little lies, little deceptions, little feelings, you know, that we have toward things. Um, they will tear down. They will hinder, amen, what God wants to do. So, amen, I hope tonight that we really press forward. Take some time to fast and pray. Uh, the rest of this week, amen, specifically for revival, uh, that the Lord would just, amen, bring in some souls and we'll see uh, even those that need revived, amen, brought back to life. Praise God. First Corinthians chapter number 14 is, are we going to have kids? Oh, I, I thought they's all gone. Okay. We still got a couple. Kids quest. I don't know if I should announce it or not, but it's, I think everybody pretty much knows I heard Sister Ainsley got the Holy Ghost last night at camp. Now if we can just get Lily to get the real Holy Ghost, we'd have a, they, them, them two together. Them two. They're a pair. They're a pair of birds. They are. I love them. I love them. I miss them today. I miss them tonight. Wednesday, they're usually down there waiting on me, waiting on Sister Laura. We come in. Appreciate, appreciate that. Amen. I, uh. I want to also say that uh, this Sunday, look at your neighbor and say, this Sunday. This Sunday, 1115 service. Uh, by the way, we're going to have, we're going to open up our 1115 service with a song. Uh, and then we're going to have an uh, overhead video of some things. I got, I think I've got 95 pictures picked out. And uh, we're going to have the trustees uh, going to come up, and we're going to have a mortgage-burning ceremony. Amen. Celebrate. Celebrate while we're in revival. Amen. Amen. So that's going to happen at 1115. So be on time. Be ready. Amen. And then we'll have our worship and stuff afterwards. But I want to really get that in there. And Man, I'll tell you what. Even all day, you can ask my wife, all day it's going to have me just kind of picking out the pictures. And being reminded of what the Lord has done and seeing faces from, oh, my Lord, just it, it, is, it, it, it takes an emotional toll, or at least it does on me. It takes an emotional toll just to see and, and then see some little, little, little fellas, and now they're big fellas, and amen, some are, and then ran across those that's passed on, amen, just thankful, because because my heart was all these people in one way or another. Uh, and I'm saying this tonight because i got to get this off. One way or another, they were a part of what we're fixing to celebrate, whether they're here or not. And, uh, and I want the Lord to know that I appreciate the Lord taking care and the Lord doing what he has done. So, amen, I want to just kind of get that off my heavy chest here tonight. Amen. But we're going to be celebrating this Sunday, uh, amen, our mortgage burning ceremony. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 14, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. 
I, I don't like to try to read a lot of Scripture at one time, amen, but I, want, I think we have to get this through so that we can, uh, so I can kind of move forward. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 14, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy... For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh unto, not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. I love that. In the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, to exhortation and comfort. Verse 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Somebody say me. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I love the church. I love that. I would that y'all spake with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Verse number six, now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, (laughs) what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you by either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? He said, which is it? And even the things without life giving sound, whether it's pipe, harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is pipe to harp? In other words, you've got to know by the sound of what's coming, you'll know what it is. For if the trumpet give it an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? So likewise, notice now the comparison. So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. There are, verse 10, there are, it may be also, it may be so, many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. How many is glad to know that you're, you matter? Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian. He that speaketh shall be a barbarian. And he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Put up verse number 12 again, if you would. Please just leave that up there. Seek that you may excel to edify the edifying of the church. I want to talk tonight about spiritual gifts and the edifying of the church. The edifying of the church. Thank you. You could be seated. I've often said this. It doesn't matter what some think about Bishop or Sister Purdue. Our love is for the church where the Lord has put us, amen, the place to amen, work, do. And uh, the church to me comes first. Uh, and then everything else kind of falls in line. Some people don't have that same kind of understanding or philosophy, but uh, I answer to a calling that I feel that God's placed in my life. So uh, I have to answer to that. 
<laughs> but I want to talk tonight about spiritual gifts, not in the sense that we normally do uh, because of time and time constraint, but I want to talk about the edifying of the church. I believe that the Apostle Paul here is given a, a clear example of what we need to understand. Spiritual gifts are given to the church for edification. Let me say it again. Spiritual gifts are given to edify, excuse me, the church. Look at your neighbor and say, you're part of the body. Now, edify simply means extract or improve someone by morality or intellectually to construct or build up so the Apostle Paul has already addressed a situation that was in the church of Corinth at the time. <laughs> and he began to instruct them about, and I, I want to make sure it's clear. I don't believe that the Apostle Paul is being mean-spirited. I don't believe he's coming down on the church of Corinth. I believe he's trying to remind them and give them instruction on things that they have veered from and got away from. And I'm one of those, I believe that the church, every once in a while, we've got to pull ourselves back and we've got to remind ourselves of what God wants and not what we want and pull ourselves back and let us remind ourselves where we at, where we're at in the Lord. Because we should be maturing, we should be growing. You shouldn't be like you was last year. We shouldn't. In, in a lot of ways, but I mean, and, and not just church-wise. We should grow. We should be, be growing in, 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 in knowledge and experience. Now, I want to say also God is a God of order. Always has been. Always will be. He, all, he took what we would consider chaos and, and just something just uh, abstract from order, and he pulled it together in creation. When he created man, he created man and woman for a purpose. It was a purpose, and so God has always had, a, uh, he's always been a God of order. Everything in our worship of him, now I want to say this, everything in our worship of him should be and should be appropriate and in order. Now get this, come on, because I don't believe God wants us to come in and give him leftovers. I know we come in and extract and we feed off each other's spirit because maybe we've had bad day, bad times, and rough, and maybe we're tired. And so when we come together and we get together, we help lift one another up and encourage one another. But I believe God wants us to have order in how that we worship him. It's not just anything and everything. And contrary to what many people believe, anything and everything I say to God or give to God, he accepts. That is simply not true. Because I believe we've got to give the Lord our heart, our soul, our mind. Not just bits and pieces of those things. And sometimes it's difficult for us to really kind of put that all in order. Now when it comes to gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so I encourage everyone, especially if you're new, read and study chapter 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians because they're linked together. Paul goes and he gives lists the 
I believe it's nine spiritual gifts that's operating, should be operating in the body. But in chapter 13, the Apostle Paul explains the giftedness. Is that a word? The giftedness. <laughs> and the giftedness never takes preeminence, superiority over love. Read chapter 13. talks about love, charity. And we're going to go there in just a minute, but he talks about charity. You can have every attribute of life, every, everything in order. You can, have tongue, you can have all these things. But he says, if we don't have love, the right kind of love, and why was he addressing it? Because evidently the church had started starting to veer away from things and putting stock in their selves and in the things that they were doing. We've got to make sure, listen, I don't care how much you give. I don't care how much you do. I don't care how much I, amen, in my I don't care how much I sacrifice. It takes the right kind of love that the Lord recognizes. So in chapter 12, Paul begins to list the gifts and talks about the gifts uh, of the Spirit that's in operation that should be in the body. Now, let me stop before I get too far ahead of myself in that. I'm not talking about gifts tonight. But every gift that the Apostle Paul mentions should be operating in the church. Not the bits and pieces that we have. Come on, you know it's true. You've been around a while. There's just some things which more preeminent have, you know, just takes place and some things we just never see. We should have all the gifts operating in the body of Christ. He shifts into... Chapter 13, and he begins to talk about love. Let's go to 13, uh, chapter 13, and let's read verses just 1 through 3. Because <clears throat> I want you to see how he frames this. He says, though I speak the tongues of men and angels and have not charity. What is that? I become a sounding brass, a tinkling cymbal. And though I give the gift of prophecy... Have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith, notice how he throws in the word all. All. I got, I mean, have it all. Though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and, and have not charity, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Now, again, this is one of those occasions when we teach and instruct, and we need to understand, listen, this is just as important in our daily life today as us receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is just the beginning. We have to grow in spirit. We have to mature in spirit. And there's a lot of things that creep into the church that Paul refers to as being immature. Really, just immature. And he goes on and he begins to address it. And I'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute. But he, he begins to compare it against uh, adults and children. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I did kid things. I did childish, childish things. But when I become an adult, things changed. Look at your neighbor and say, some things do change. But notice how he frames this. In chapter 13, verse 1 through 3, he pretty much, I believe, covers it all. I mean, I, I believe it pretty much covers every aspect of what we are striving to become spiritually. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. He said, 
you know, you can you can speak in tongues all day long at, at church. You can you can be all spiritual all day long, but it's only edifying yourself. That's why he comes into verse 14 and starts breaking down and showing us why it's important that we not be selfish in the experience that we have in the Holy Ghost. He, but, it, but he covers it. He said tongues. He said, though I prophesy, though I have all faith, even I, I feed the poor, I do everything I'm supposed to do, all of that is nothing without love, without charity. Because Apostle Paul here in chapter 14 uses the specific correctives because spiritual gifts were being misused in the church. We've, listen, we've got to make sure we keep those things under control, but at the same time, we've got to make sure we allow them to operate. If we all come in and we just speak in tongues and have ourselves a time, if there's visitors here, they're going to look at us, and Paul refers to it, they're going to look at us and think, man, you're mad. These people are crazy. They're barbaric. I mean, you're getting something out of it, but I sure ain't. Now, there are, now listen, listen, there are times, because I don't like, like to make blanket statements, there are times when the, the Spirit of God pours out His Spirit to be a witness and it certainly will make some people feel uncomfortable. But I believe, I know some don't believe in this, but I believe there ought to be conviction in the church. I believe the Spirit of God will convict people. It's not what I say or do or not how we live our life, but it's the Word of God living in us that causes people to step back and say, wait a minute, and maybe check themselves and put them, put them in conviction. Should I or shouldn't I be doing what I'm doing? I've learned that by my own experience. God knows. Now look, first, look what he says. He said, edification is only possible if what is spoken is understood. Verse number six. If it's only understood, it's just, it's great that you're speaking in tongues, but there's a place for it. There's a time for it. And it's called your prayer time. Cause your closet time. Amen. You allow the spirit to move, and man, you can have yourself a time. But when we come together sometimes, we've got to keep in mind there's people here that God wants to move on. And even though they may hear the tongues for a while, it's not something that should just pre, you know, just take over the service. The other thing I, I think that we need to talk about is working around the altar. I don't believe anybody here has the right to put their hands on anybody. Unless you're directed by the Spirit. You just don't go up and just lay hands on people, especially grab their jaws. Come on, come out of there. That Holy Ghost is in there somewhere. Like a squeeze bottle of ketchup. It's not going to happen. We shouldn't do those kind of things. That's why there's some churches, to order to have order, they have people that's designated as prayer people at the altar. And they're the only ones that should pray with people. Because, number one, number one they have a proven life of prayer. And number two, it's to have some kind of order because some people get carried away. I've seen people. And in ministry, we don't have to drill somebody in the ground. Yeah. 
We're going to try to make you fall out. God takes you down. He'll take you down. I don't need to drive you down. Come on, we've seen it. It wasn't a few years. Well, it's been several years ago now. Several years ago, we had a visiting minister. Big old fella. Big old fella. Bigger than him. This big. And I'll never forget, right? I was I stand right behind, and there was somebody standing in front of him, and he was just like this. Almost like Kung Fu. They didn't know it was coming. I, I, I promise. It, I, I know it took them forever to get their composure. Because they didn't want to. Listen, people are not trying to embarrass him. They, they didn't want to embarrass the preacher by making it look like, oh, my God. I, like a kid in the store. You know, you're about ready to slap. They tried not to. But it was awkward. Those are things that we've got to be mindful of. Because, you know, just like ministry, I, I tell preachers all the time, you may be up here having yourself a good time, but look at your crowd. Measure the service. Hit those veins of anointing. When you get out of them, leave them alone. Because a lot of preachers today, we've got to have these long, drawn-out stories and illustrations about all kind of nature. And all, listen, that's not really necessary. Now, it's okay, but it's not necessary. Because there's things that God wants you to drive home, and we don't have to frame it. Oh, it's getting quiet now. It's the truth. We've got to get to the place, and this is where the Apostle Paul is trying to get their attention. I don't believe he's chastising them. I believe he's just kind of reminding them and letting them know, amen, this is and it's something for us today to understand. We've got to make sure that we're edifying the body and not ourselves. That's why he said in verse 6, he said, edification is only possible when it's spoken, when people have an understanding. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, drop down verse 18, 19. He said, I think, my God, I speak in tongues more than y'all. Yet in the church, somebody in the church. Wait a minute, I thought we were the church. But he's talking about in the church. What does that mean? In the body. When we're together, means that we're to assemble and come together like a body. But in the church, he said, because listen, I'm a part of the body. But in the church, he said, I would rather speak five words of my understanding than by my, that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words of an unknown tongue. I've literally been in services, especially in the old days, where the preacher stood up here for about 30 or 40 minutes speaking in tongues. Not a bit of good. Hello? That's why it takes somebody with a little bit of backbone to step up and change the order of service. <laughs> this ain't what God wants. But somehow we've got this idea that, we're, <laughs> that it's some kind of a spiritual thing. I mean, it is spiritual, but it's not like it makes us super spiritual like we're somebody. Because I've seen people shout run the aisle, and, 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 and I mean, they couldn't get their life together to save them. Some people need the shout. Some people need some kind of, they, they need that 
venting of the Spirit, I call it. They need it. Now, listen, I, I think we all should experience something along the line. Don't get me wrong. Now, I don't say, oh, well, that means that's why, you know, I'm glad I feel good about sitting here. No, sitting here don't get it. Because what the Apostle Paul goes on to say, everybody should be participating when it comes to the gifts. Everybody should be involved. It should have, come on, the body of Christ should have all the operation working in its body. Because he said it's about edification of the church. Because when we willingly set aside our own edification so that others can hear. I, I, I think it's a great thing. I, there's not a service don't go by. I'm not trying to feel what God's doing, whether it's music, whether it's music, whether it's singing, whether it's, you know, people in the congregation, those, whether they're here or not. And that's what it's about. What Paul is saying, that this is maturity. And he compares growing, the, the maturity, like I said, with being children and adults. A child is immature, and usually, I say usually, more concerned about their self, my stuff, me. Signs of immaturity is when you think you're better than somebody else. That's very immature, and it's not got the Spirit of God attached to it at all. Let me say it again, at all. It's nobody's, in, nobody's place in the church to correct somebody else. That comes from the Word of God. That comes from teaching. That comes from leadership. Nobody has the right to criticize somebody else. And when you attack somebody else, especially in this church, you're attacking me. Because that's my heart. I want you to know that. That's why I am hard on people who has hurt the church body. You don't pull a knife out and cut the church body and get away with it in my book. Oh, no. Now, listen, don't understand. Not that, but I say, listen, you don't get my attention. Because that's not love. It's not love. It's not genuine. We've got to make sure that we, listen, I don't care who's doing what in the church. There's a lot of people that don't know how to do some things. You leave them alone. Let them learn. <laughs> Look up here. I'm still learning. If you, think I've, if you think I've arrived, hey, there's room down here. I haven't. No. It's a week-to-week, -week, a day-to-day. -day, it's, it's a dying out continually. And we've got to make sure. Listen, I do believe in self-preservation. I do believe that you've got to have some confidence in yourself and you've got to know who you are in the Lord. But I believe it's got to be not to the place to where it's got, it comes out to be arrogant, mean-spirited. You know, I'm talking about people that see somebody, you know, you see somebody at Walmart and you go to the other, other aisle. Brother Horner, I don't, want to see, I, don't want to, I don't want him to see me. I don't want him to see me. Uh, uh, we, really? We call ourselves Christian? No, 
let, let me back up. We call ourselves love. God is love. We're supposed to have the spirit of God. That's not love. That's me thinking I can do what you're doing better. And if I wanted to do it, I could do it better. I could write a play about some girl behind a door. No, I can't. <laughs> no, I can't do art. I'm sure I'm going to be critical of your art. I mean, I know you'll laugh at my stick person because that's the best I can do. If I don't, you know, listen, we've got to make sure. Paul had this same situation that he was dealing with with the church of Corinth, and he was trying to bring them back to a place where they recognized it. Paul, I believe the Apostle Paul never suggests that speaking in tongues is a sign of immaturity. He's not saying that at all. He's only saying it exists in our lack of willingness to set aside our personal needs. What he's saying, he's just reminding them, listen, nothing wrong with tongues, but we've got to make sure that we're concerned and we're interested in the others. I've got to be concerned for everybody in this church. I feel like whether you like what they're doing or they like what you're doing, I've got to be concerned about everybody. That's the way we should be about each other. Let brotherly love continue. Because I believe that in what Paul was dealing with, <laughs> spiritual pride. Look at your neighbor and say, there is spiritual pride. There is spiritual pride. It was rampant. It was rampant. 1 Corinthians 14, 37. Throw that up here. If anyone, somebody say bishop. If anyone think of himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. He's saying, I don't care who's out there, who, who's reading this. I want you to know no matter who you are. He said, I want you to understand this is not just a, a jibber-jabber or talk. He said, I want you to know this is of the Lord. He's letting them know these things are taking place. And we can believe, I can believe I'm so spiritual, I could jump off this here and fly to the back without even touching the floor. That's how I can say it. I mean, uh, my God, I've been pastor for 30 years, and I've been preaching for 40 years, and I've been, uh, so what? Woohoo! I got mad one time, I'm going to be honest, I got mad one time at, at a pastor. You know, it's kind of giving me those little, I ain't coming after. I got mad at a pastor one time because he made some kind of little jab statement to me. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you something. I've buried more people since I've been pastoring than you've ever had in your church. I've run more people off than you'll ever get. Man, you talk... Stupid. How ignorant. 
you know, when you're young and dumb and, you know, you know you, you'll do things. You'll, you'll say, we'll do stuff like that. But I, I felt it. I thought it. So I thought I had the right to say it. Oh, Lord. There's a whole message right there. <laughs> There's a whole, whole message right there. Whether it's true, whether it's fact or not, it's not to be mean. And sometimes when we're attacked, what do we do? When, 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 when things are coming at us, what do we do? We try to, you know, justify and we say or do things. And we've got to make sure that we keep it in place. Because spiritual pride was rampant then. He said if anyone thinks himself to be anything at all, then you, you can put labels on it, whatever you want to label it. You've got to make sure you keep it, keep it under control because he said this is a command of the Lord. He said, a lot of y'all being spiritual because you're speaking in tongues and carrying on. That's great. He said, but you're forgetting why you're there and why we come together. Because here's the thing, and the thing about the Apostle Paul, when he's talking to them in Corinth, he says, listen, I want you to understand something. If you cannot receive instruction from ministry and from the Word of God, then you must what? You must respect God's given authority. You've got to respect God's given authority. You, got, you can't look at the person. You can't look at the situation. You've got to understand, listen, God's trying to show me something. If, come on, if we get out of that vein, guess what? Our pride will get in the way. Trust me, I've been there. We can allow it to happen. And the Apostle Paul says, listen, that's not good. He said, listen, because he, he clearly, from the 12th, 13th, and 14th chapter, he clearly teaches that the purpose of prophecy and preaching and, 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 and interpretation of tongues is that everyone will receive instruction or what? Conviction. Everyone's going to be affected. Now, what, what does that, let me, I always like to use myself. What does that mean to me? I don't care if it's Thomas. I don't care if it's Brother Horner. I don't care. My dad, Sunday, did a good job, didn't he? He was worried about his time. Bless his heart. I, I told him 15 or 20 minutes, and I think he was worried about his time. But he did a great job. But awesome. But I don't care who it is, we can glean from the Word of God regardless of who it is if our spirit's right. Every time he gets up, he's going to talk about that. No, we can, and, and when it comes to ministry, we can get labeled. I know preachers, I know preachers that as soon as, oh, Lord, we're going to be here for two hours. I mean, their ministry is an hour and a half, two-hour ministry. I don't care where they're at, what's going on. And you think, oh. And that's where people do feel dread and feel. That's why I'm very, try to be, I try to be very cautious about putting people here in front of you. Even though they've got to learn and there's things that's got to take place. We, and our church has been very good about being supportive. But there's a right way to do things. And though I may feel great about my message, if I look at you and everybody's just asleep, what do you get? I mean, it's the same principle that Paul is saying when we come in and speak in tongues. 
if I'm so spiritual and I'm getting a kick out of everything and nobody else is getting anything at all, it's just me. That's why you've heard me say in the past, listen, I mean, we can go come in here and just do, you know, do our thing, but listen, I don't want a club. I don't want a social gathering. I want to see things happen. I want you to be affected. I want your toes to curl. I want you to feel something. That's why we've got to learn how to juice it up, spice it up, amen, let the anointing. Because, listen, there's some things that God gives that make it kind of hard to swallow too. But sometimes you've got to learn how to help somebody. <laughs> you know, thus saith the Lord. That's great. And, by the way, when we're on that topic, we better be sure if we say, thus saith the Lord, the Lord told you to say it. Feel something there. Listen, why? Because Paul says believers will receive, Sister Charlotte, they will. They'll receive instruction. Believers want to learn. I don't care how long we've been believing, we want to learn. Sinners, he said, will have conviction, feel conviction. He said, by the power of God's word. It does it. I mean, if we'll just preach and we'll just do it, God will take care of it. Now, I grew up in a church, and I could probably get everybody I know for, that's still alive to verify it. The pastor in the church, he would look out. Familiar, familiar, familiar. Ooh, there's one new one. There's a new face. And if he's seen a new face in that service, you've just about, you might as well believe Acts 238 is coming out. He's going pre to preach salvation. He's going to repeat. He's going he's to preach uh, repentance, baptism. If he sees one face that's not a part of the church, what's he going to do? But how was like that? But he'd, he'd pre, I, don't, I mean, you could have 300 people there. If there's oh, one face back there, it looked like a new one. You're going to hear about salvation, the whole church. It's the truth. Because one thing I've learned, God cares about the loss. But he also has taught me that we can worry about the loss all we want to. But we've got to make sure. Charity starts at home. Hello? We got to love ourselves to the point to where we're ready to be spiritual, to grow and to mature, so that we can really be a help to somebody. Because listen, here's what happens. When people come in anew and they see, and, they, and especially, especially a church that likes to get together and have fellowship, next thing you know, people are picking up attributes from that crowd. Oh, my God, they get mad. Well, you better watch what you say about around Sister Kirsten. She, she, whew, she could get fired up quick. Look out. <laughs> oh, who's picking on who now, right? Yeah. Oh, oh Lord. Don't get Charlotte started. No. 
People pick up things. That's why we've got to be careful about the things that we do around one another. And if we're not careful, our spiritual pride, amen, guess what? We'll start blowing off how spiritual we are and how the church needs to come up to our level. Oh, Holy Ghost, speak. Come on, that's what's happening to us. That's what's happening there. We've got to make sure. Listen, it's not about one or two that's spiritual. Amen. God sees us all, and everyone is in a different frame of walk with God, and we have to acknowledge that. He said, listen, I want the believers to understand some things, and I want the sinners to understand some things. Don't you all just come together and think we're crazy? Just because we're speaking in tongues and having ourselves a good time. Verse 22, chapter 14. He said, wherefore, and, and you talk about right here, this scripture right here is probably one of the biggest debated and misunderstood. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe. Now, in our modern day, we'd say, well, ain't that stupid? Of course, you have to believe to do it. Tongues are a sign not to them that believe. Well, yeah, you're believing, you're doing it. You've spoken tongues. But to them that believe not. Tongues are for a sign for an unbeliever. So, yes, tongues are spoken. He said, but here's where I stand. I would rather interpret. I would rather speak words of understanding so that the tongues that come forth, amen, are spoken out so that everybody in the crowd can understand what's being said. That's why when tongue, that's why, listen, we've got to be attentive when tongues come, amen, God knows how to get our attention and someone interpret tongues. I mean, you got every version. Thus saith the Lord. Jesus wants you to know he loves you. Come on. There's a way to interpret. There's, a, there's an order in how, amen, the spirit ought to operate. And, and just by getting louder, don't shut down the church because we think tongues are supposed to be interpreted and, 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 and people are not getting quiet. And what do we do? Hey, that's saying the Lord. I've learned when God wants to speak, he knows how. And that's where we've got to learn to be attentive. There's a difference in the tongue. Come on, some of you know this. There's a difference in the tongues. When tongues come forth, you know something getting ready to happen. You feel in your spirit. That's when you know to be careful and not be loud. You've got to know. You've got to, you've got to know. And we've got to be able to bring that into subjection to where God can speak through someone. And then while I'm on that topic, let me say this. I do believe, I personally believe, I personally believe that when God wants to speak, yes, you should say, thus saith the Lord. Because if you just bell her out, people may not understand, especially people that don't understand, wouldn't understand it, maybe not been taught, they would not understand something. Well, good Lord, what's wrong with her? 
screaming at. What's wrong with him over there hollering, carrying on? But when we say thus, and the church and the spirit and the church begins to what? Fall into subjection. What happens? Thus say, everyone understands what's being done. I don't care if they're new or not. Oh my God, what's this? Whether they've ever heard the Lord speak like that or not. I remember the first time I ever heard the Lord uh, in the tongues interpreted, oh my Lord. I mean, because, you, you know, if you're not talking, you don't understand. What in the world does that mean? God's talking to us? That's why we, that's why, listen, the Apostle Paul said, listen, that's why we've got to talk about what should and shouldn't be in the body. Gifts ought to be operating in the body of Christ, always. Now, I've been around a lot of pastors, and I've heard a lot of pastors talk. Some have this thing about control, but I'm one of those, if God wants to speak, we should let him speak. And it takes someone learning a little bit of process, a little bit of time to learn how to obey the Spirit. And so if someone starts out and we don't, oh, I don't know if that's the Lord or not, because we may have been accustomed to something pretty organized or ordered, we've got to give somebody the opportunity to learn how to operate in the Spirit. And so that goes back to that spiritual pride. And, and one of the hardest things to learn when you're in, in a, an authoritative position and you've got the whole body to deal with or I don't want to say worry about, you've got the whole order of service. You've got to make sure, Lord, is this, because you want to make sure that God's order is being done. Because there's zeal. Apostle Paul addressed it. There's zeal. There's people that gets hyper. There are people that get excited, emotional. It happens. That's why we, listen, look at it. It's on us individually to learn how to mature. And when you know God is dealing with you about a gift, you ask God to help you learn and how to discern to be operating in that gift. Or it's like a preacher getting up preaching. God can give me a message, but I can mess it up. Because I get sidetracked and I get off on things. Amen. When you get up, sometimes your mind's going 90 miles. And scripture and things, and you've got to know what's proper. Because there's a, there is a timetable. Whether we like it or not, we, are, we have set our framework, our order, to a certain amount of time. And when it gets beyond that, some preachers can't understand this. When it gets beyond that, people, what, how come people get? Because people are adjusted to something different. And it takes a while to adjust to something that's different. <laughs> I can name names. I'm just, I had an old preacher that, man, I don't care what we did in service, he was going to do the opposite. The order that we had, he was going to make sure he didn't do it the way everybody else did it. He would not stand up here and preach or minister. He would take his Bible down to the front row and lay it on the front row and preach from here. And minister. Nothing wrong with that. But when you can't figure out what, why the people are taking why, because they're adjusting to what's being done differently. And then, then you get labeled because, well, he's the one that's always going to be different. It can't be a bad thing because if God gives me a message and I mess it up, and if I don't yield to what the Spirit's trying to do to the body of people, it's not about me anymore. 
just because I want to be different. That's where a struggle is in ministry. It's not about just trying to be different. Yeah, I don't want to be like brother. Nobody should be like me or anybody else. You be who you are. Build on that without trying to make yourself or without getting yourself labeled. Because I don't care whether we like it or not. When you get labeled, I mean, mean, there's nothing I can do for a, a minister. There's nothing I can do for a teacher. When you get labeled, you're labeled. That's why you try to listen. Be careful. Watch the structure. Watch out and watch what and feel what the Spirit's doing in the body. It's the same way with worship leading. It's the same way. Listen, understand what's going on when you're pre- praising and worshiping and singing because if, if it's not being effective, change it. Because that's exactly what the Spirit does, the gifts does in the body of Christ. What It does what God wants to get done. We may come with one agenda or one thought about things, but when we come together, it may be something that may move in the Spirit, in the gifts, that changes the whole order. How many come into church and you know, kind of nonchalant? Man, next thing you know, something, something happens. Boom. And then you start, oh, my gosh, the Lord's wanting to do something. When we should have come in with that mindset anyway. God wants to do something every time we come in. Every time. He, every time. We, we're not just coming together to be a social club. And there is a difference between Sunday and Wednesday. It'd be foolish for me to get up here every Wednesday and try to be evangelistic until we start doing evangelistic Wednesdays. Because we're used to teaching. We're used to taking some time. Sunday. We want to let all the stops out. We want to fire up because we got a, a week to go. Head back to work, head back to school, head back to things. And so we want those, and that's what the church, listen, that's what the church has gotten used to. And I know there's people who always want to change everything. We always want to kind of rewrite and redo something. And not all that's bad. But we've got to keep in mind one another. That's what Paul has addressed when he's addressing the church at Corinth, he's letting them know, listen, there's some things that has gotten out of order, and you just need to get them back in line. And he starts with the things that are, uh, I would consider the tougher things, and let them know. Because notice what he says. Get ready here, because I'm, I'm going to close. I hate that glare. I can't stand it. Ooh, man, I, I'm keeping you all later. I'm about three minutes difference. Notice, prophesying serveth not for them that believe, or believe not, but for them that believe not. But for them which what? Believe. Apostle Paul spent a lot of time, he spends a lot of, he spends a lot of time addressing the misuse of the gift of tongues. But he also dealt with the order and use of all the gifts within the church. It's not just, he spends a lot of time about tongues, but he spends also time about the other gifts that's in the church. Now think about this. Think about it. And I'm about to close. The gifts of the Spirit are powerful. See if you're still listening. The gifts of the Spirit that God gives, his gifts are powerful. Now think about it. Say it, powerful. That right there is scary. Because anything, anything that has to do with power can be abused. 
Anything to do with power can be abused. He was not rebuking. He wasn't rebuking the Corinthian church. He was letting them know that every believer has something, something to contribute. Lay your hand on your heart right now. You, everybody, I don't care what stage, where you at, what learning experience you are, everyone. Because like any form of power, it can get out of whack. It can get destructive. It can be, amen, where it's not in balance. Put up verse 26, last verse, 1426. Look at this. Because he's not, he's not rebuking them. He's not chastising them. He's just letting them know. He ha- How is it then, brethren, when you come together, everybody has a song. Notice what he's doing. Everybody has a doctrine. Everybody has a tongue. Everybody has a revelation. Everybody has an interpretation. He said, let all, all things be done unto the edifying. We all got experiences. We all are on levels that may be different from each other at times. But it's the same spirit. And the same spirit brings us back to one thing, edifying the church. We've got to care about the church. Amen. Not just ourselves. And he brings it back. He said, because notice notice this list. He said, everybody got a psalm, everybody got a doctrine, everybody got a tongue. Everybody got a revelation. Everybody got an interpretation. Stay with me. Now, that's not because I've heard some try to use this. This is the this is the order of how the church ought to operate. No, no, this is not a list. This is not an order for service or a list of what members of the body might offer. It's not what he's saying at all. Because one thing, one thing I want to point out. Neither does the word doctrine mean everyone has a different doctrine. Doctrine here simply means a word of instruction. Word of instruction. He says when we all come together, everybody's got their own. Everybody's in it. But that can't happen. It has to be in order. There has to be a way things are done. Because we have to understand. Look, we have to understand ourselves. It's about everybody. Because I promise you, standing here tonight, there's a variety of needs throughout this place that may be different than what you need. The person next to you may need something totally, totally different. May be going through something totally different. May look at me, may have an understanding totally different. But he says, but when we come together, it's not about what my difference is. It's about edifying the church. I believe that we're in the mindset to know that we want to see the church blessed. We do. I, 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 I'm not. I'm a firm believer. We, we want to see the church blessed. We just have to understand what that blessing is. That blessing is order. That blessing is knowing that when we come together, God, Brother Rick, is going to do something. 
I don't know what he's going to do in every service. I don't know what he's going to do in every service. I might come in thinking, man, somebody's going to get, you know, you've heard me say it before. I've left, you know, how many times disappointed because I knew I'd come in. I mean, I felt like God gave me a message. Somebody's going to, man, repent. Somebody's going to get baptized. Holy Ghost goes, something's going to happen. And nothing. And you, and you go back and you think, oh, Lord. That's why we've learned it's not about me. Sometimes you have to plant seeds. Sometimes you just have to sow it. And it's whosoever will. Come on, lay your hand on your heart. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path.